Hello everyone, I'm Bailey. I'm Drew. And I'm Lacey. And, and we're, we're sarcastic, sarcastic, so let's get sinister. So this is part two? Yes. Welcome back, everybody. Um, we are going to jump right back into the case of Marilyn Shepard. Just a slight recap. Marilyn Shepard was bludgeoned to death in her home, and it looks like her husband is getting tried for her murder. Okay. Um, we're going to jump right back into in the trial. Starting with the trial. Yes. Okay. We, we haven't started... Although it seems like the coroner's inquest was a trial. Yeah. It was not. It was was not a trial. Interesting. Um, So, recap, we are in the 1954s. How many many 1954s have there been? Uh, A few. It was, the 50s were crazy. They were just endless. (laughs) (laughs) Lacey's having an existential crisis now, Bailey. Way to go. Okay. In a um, fetal position in the corner. Don't tell them. Time is it? <laughs> Do you need a moment, Lisa? Okay, I'll be okay. Okay, great. August 16th, 1954, a grand jury met to consider the evidence against Sam Shepard. They listened to Mayor Hook, Hunk, Hook, what did we say? Okay. Hunk. Hunk. No. Um, describe a conversation with Marilyn. <laughs> in which she called her husband uh, Jekyll and Hyde. Who said it? Supposedly Marilyn told that to their friend Spencer, who was the mayor. Mayor he, Spencer? He was recalling yeah. that conversation. Um, they also listened to Susan Hayes describe her and Dr. Sam's intimate relationship. If you don't remember, Susan Hayes was the woman Sam had a very long affair with while married to She also Marilyn. worked at the hospital. She did. The next day after this grand jury met, they returned with a first-degree indictment. How did they have anything? Yeah, they, they wow. determined it quickly. 75 people were called as potential jurors. All three of the Cleveland newspapers published the names and addresses of those people. Are they allowed to? Not anymore. Yeah, I feel like if I was yeah. a juror and the newspaper posted published my name and address i would feel very unsafe yeah, and asked to be recused yeah um, they and they found that like there was constant like phone calls and like people trying to sway these jurors or jurors the trial there's a lot of um problems i can't imagine that is the, like you're supposed to have a certain level of integrity as a journalist and to be like you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna publish people's Phone number and address so they yeah. can be harassed. I feel like it was the same journalist who kept posting, why isn't he in jail? It was all three of the Cleveland, Cleveland newspapers, but nevertheless, um, Judge Nevertheless? Ad- nevertheless? Whatever. It's a new one. Nevertheless. I'm making up a word. Leave me alone. Just like the 1954s. Just listen, Shakespeare made up so many words. Thank you. And he's praised. Yeah. Thank you for calling me Shakespeare. You're welcome. Um, Judge, she said so. I'm gonna move on. Okay. Judge Edward Lithen. These names, man. I know it's awful. Presided over the Shepherd trial. He made some very um, 
critical errors in the trial. According to you. No. According oh. <laughs> to eventually the Supreme Court. Wow. Um, he denied the defense motion to move the trial out of Cleveland or delay the trial until publicity died down. Mm. It was also revealed that one of his sons was a Cleveland homicide detective who had worked with an assistant prosecutor chasing down leads and interviewing witnesses of the case, which even if they had never talked or discussed the case, it's still a conflict right yeah. there. Um, and it was talked about in sources that any other like legal professional would have stepped down from... Or accused themselves. Yeah. This came out years after he died but as the case was beginning he had stated to a reporter that this was an open and shut case and called sam guilty as hell the judge did that yep wow i don't think you're supposed to do that nope he doesn't sound biased and i also just want to point out that he was up for re-election in a few months and this case was very public, adding to the pressure, no doubt. Yeah. It was a very the public high wanted... public opinion that Sam should yeah. be behind bars. I was going to say, due to... The court of the... public opinion. Well, just because the journalism yeah. Yeah, that too. caused the public to sway in a certain way. I haven't made my mind up about Sam yet, but I That's will fine. say... If he's not guilty, this all really sucks a lot for him. Yeah, I don't think he got a fair trial. Like, try everything is working against him. Yeah. It's very much like he, it looks like he gets railroaded a lot. Yeah. So, we're going to dive into the trial a little bit. Not extensively, but there, we're going to touch on some key points. So, the prosecution's weaknesses in the case would be proving premeditation, because they were going for first-degree murder. They had no previous history of domestic violence from Sam, so proving that his temperament and his anger was there to kill his wife. And even their witnesses had even said that they've never seen Sam go crazy, and he was always even-tempered. Corrigan and Sam's defense's game plan was to outline that Sam was not the kind of man who would kill, and the evidence proved that he could not have done it. The evidence pointed to a clearly a third party at the crime scene. After jurors were selected, the trial began in October on October 18th, and the first day they toured the Shepherd home, which I don't know if that's a common thing that they... The jurors? Yeah, I think you can take them to crime scenes. Oh, okay. To see. I, it was the first time I've ever it's heard like, of it, and I thought it was trip. very interesting. Um, I've heard of it before. They've gone to, like, car accident sites to see like how Actually, I kind of like that. I feel like you get a better picture of it than yeah. you just from pictures. Yeah. To to see like how the bend in the curve yeah. caused them to drive off or something yeah. like that. Interesting. So the prosecution's first witness was Dr. Adelson who went through all of Mar- Marilyn's injuries. He showed gruesome color autopsy slides and succeeded in proving that Marilyn died a very violent death, which was kind of obvious. For the reason not to like the judge, he denied Sam permission to leave the room during the slideshow, but did allow him to stand in the corner of the room with his back to the screen, where he cried when hearing Marilyn's injuries. So, like, he was in timeout? Yeah. <laughs> Which, well, he still had to listen to the description. Yeah, and, I mean, it was reported that it was very gruesome, and, like, they were color slides. Like, Yeah. I don't know, though, because I feel like nowadays if you're on trial you have to sit through it yeah i don't know it just feels you could just avert your eyes 
but to make him stand in the corner is ridiculous. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Prosecution pointed holes in Sam's story, claiming that there was no signs of struggle in the home, no indication of forced entry, and there were no reports of prowlers that night in the neighborhood. But the defense was able to produce three witnesses who testified to seeing the bushy-haired intruder Shepard had described in the vicinity of the home around the time of the murder. Yes. Was it Billy in the bowl? No. Oh, Billy in the bowl. Hey, throwback. No. Billy was in Dublin, and this was a significant amount of time before, prior, or after Billy. Just saying. But nice, good effort. Thank you. I just, like... Afro. Yeah. Billy. Dr. Gerber was next to take the stand. He claimed that the blood stain on Marilyn's pillow was an impression of the murder weapon, which he stated to be some type of surgical instrument. Mm. However, Gerber could ne- couldn't figure out what surgical instrument. <laughs> That's clearly the impression of a surgical instrument. Oh, which one? I don't know, but I know for sure that it it's is. It's definitely one. The defense suggested that the imprint was simply a result of overlay of the pillow caused by rumpling when the blood was still wet. Which, I don't, you can search the pillow. I don't fucking see anything. I'll put, I'll add the photo to Instagram pictures. I don't know how you can make out anything in that. It just looks like blood on a pillow. But that's not my job to interpret blood stains. So. You're not disclaimer. That's true. A fingerprint expert testified next, and the only fingerprint found came from the headboard of Marilyn's bed. It was identical to the left thumb of Sam Shepard. During a cross-examination, the defense pointed out that this could have been left during a previous night, and also asked, did you ever hear of a man coming into a bedroom and kissing his wife goodnight? Yeah, I don't think it's real suspicious that his thumbprint was on his wife's bed. The final prosecution witness was Susan Hayes. She spilled everything about their relationship. Shortly after they first met in 1951, Hayes was performing lab work for Shepard's emergency calls when their relationship turned sexual. Encounters either happened in Shepard's car or the intern's apartment. Oh, she was an intern? No, the interns, I think, had, like, a shared apartment, like, to, like, stay over, I think. And Susan was an intern? She was a lab tech. So they were just in somebody else's apartment? I I guess. I don't I was feeling bad about Sam at the start of this episode, or bad for Sam, because of how everything seems to be working against him. I forgot how mad I was at him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I forgot that he's not fully blameless in yeah. things. Their relationship was ended by the time of the murder because Hayes was tired of being stringed along when Sam made up with Marilyn at... That was around the time that they conceived their second child. So, like, four months prior to the murder, Sam had, like, ended it with Susan. After Sam had lied about the affair during the inquest, the prosecution believed that if he would lie and protect Hayes, he would certainly lie under oath to protect himself. Next. I forgot that he lied about that. Yeah. Next, the defense had their turn. Corrigan wanted to persuade the jury that his client suffered a serious injury on that night, and it would have been difficult, if not impossible, for him to cause those injuries to himself. He called four attending doctors and three nurses from the hospital to confirm Sam's injuries. A radiologist testified that an x-ray of Sam revealed a probable fracture of a second cervical vertebrae. 
Others testified that there was a swelling at the base of his skull and the neck spasms were detected and could not be faked. Sam, they decided to put Sam on the stand for his own defense. I feel like that's rarely a good idea. It wasn't a good idea for him either. He came off as arrogant and glib, the stand. Uh, He retold the events of the night as he remembered. Lacey, what's glib me? I'm trying to figure out if it's glib or glib. So he was like a douche on stand, which is always a great, like... No. Yeah. Especially in your defense. Yeah. Juries love to feel belittled. <laughs> by love when the murder suspect acts like he's better than them. <laughs> by Dr. Douchebag. Uh, Lacey, he was? You're right. You're right. That's my bad. Listen, bro. <laughs> should have been Dr. Um, I'm Dr. See water Sam. skiing again? Yeah. Um, Bruh. So, again, he retold the events of the night as he remembered. He described his relationship with Marilyn as a happy one, claiming the topic of divorce never arose. He explained that Marilyn and him had a habit to leave the door unlocked while they were home, explaining how an intruder could have entered the home without any forced entry. I don't think that's um, super... I would believe that. In a time period and in a and also, seemingly safe neighborhood. Yeah, the, like they describe the neighborhood as like this is where people move to avoid crime. Yeah, yeah they also like left their kids sleeping. Yeah, understandable. During a cross examination, they focused heavily on his relationship with other women, getting him to finally admit to the frequent sexual relations with Susan Hayes over a two year period. He admitted to lying about the relationship with Hayes during the inquest to protect her reputation. Next, the defense called Dr. Charles Elkins, an MD and a professor at a medical school. He was the one that, like, first uh, examined Sam and found that, like, the reflexes couldn't be faked and that he was actually hurt. He did, like, say that Marilyn could have swung a bat at Sam, at but there was, like, no evidence of that. So, like... They were just making it up. It's very improbable that, like, Marilyn, like was able to land that hit fighting back. And it was also unlikely that he staged those injuries because any doctor would know spinal cord injuries are very dangerous. Uh-huh. So it wouldn't be, be self-reflected. Unfortunately, with his testimony being after Sam's three-day testimony, it seemed that reporters and the jur- jurors paid very little attention to this information. Friday, December 15th, the closing arguments were heard. The prosecution argued how could he have been in shock, but still lucid when everyone was arriving. They questioned why he didn't call his brother first instead of the mayor. Which, yeah, good point. They posed doubt in the fact that Sam was young and in the prime of his life and were to believe that he was rendered unconscious by a single blow. Twice. They brought up the fact that their marriage was, if their marriage was going so well, why did they move from a double bed to two twin beds? Which I saw something that they were in the room with two twin beds because it was their summer bedroom. Yeah. But so what is it? Colder or is that just? Like- I think it probably had like had like uh, it, I think it was the one facing the lake, so it probably had like a better breeze during uh, well, the night. Yeah. Because it's the fifties and they don't have. Doesn't really explain why they were in twin beds though. 
Maybe they just maybe it was, it was a guest 50s. bedroom or something. I don't know. I don't maybe, know. Maybe I those were like... just the beds they had in that room, and like their main bedroom, they did have a double bed, and but they didn't want to move all like the furniture. It wasn't uncommon for her husband and wife to not share a bed. Yeah. In true. WandaVision, there was a time when they didn't share a bed. I love Lucy didn't our, share a bed. Our grandparents didn't share a bed. Yeah. So. so. I think it's because birth control wasn't really a thing, so they were like, let's just prevent some temptation. I think they were just trying to, like, grasp at straws at, like, anything. To Any be, like, kind of flaw in their marriage. This is, mm-hmm. the, your marriage was messed up. The defense's turn, um, and they emphasized the glaring weaknesses in the case. Specifically that the state had five months and nine weeks of investigating, and they still don't know how she was killed, what weapon was used, and why she was killed. That feels like really important information to yeah. not have on a murder trial. You, you, you think it's pretty, like, yeah. major things. Yeah. Yeah, so great. They explained that the mayor was the proper person to call, being only two doors down, while Sam's brother lived, like, minutes away. And he was also the head of the public safety being the mayor. It sounds kind of weak, but whatever. So he... His brother was closer to him than the mayor? No, the mayor was two doors down. His brother lived, like, a minute, like more minutes away. Oh. But, like, still, like, close, but, like, not as close as two doors down. So they were like, why did he call the mayor instead of his brother? The defense was saying that he called oh. the mayor because he was closer, and it was also, being the mayor, he was head of public safety in the area. I don't know. Still doesn't explain why you didn't just call police. Yeah, that's true too. Although in the nine, their fifties, you wouldn't call nine one one. You'd have to actually call like. A, yeah. Maybe he couldn't. I mean, if he was in shock, and had he, a familiar number. He, he might yeah, he just that. called the first number that's that true. came to his mind. Yeah. And he doesn't didn't know the police number. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, I'm still on board. The defense pointed out that whoever killed Marilyn would have been sprayed with blood, and there was little evidence of blood on Sam's clothes. There was sand found in Sam, Sam's pocket and cuffs and packed into the fabric of his socks, backing up his story of being, like, fighting on the beach. The state failed to show motive. Corrigan pointed to the evidence that did not tie to Sam. A tooth chip found in the bedroom, the fibers under Marilyn's fingernails, and also the fact that Sam was grilled expertly and repeatedly day and night, and Sam... If he was the killer, you would think that he would have cracked and confessed. Or made some kind of mistake in yeah. the story. Yeah, his story stayed consistent. December 17th, Judge Blithen sent the jury into its deliberations. He went through the five possible verdicts. Not guilty, manslaughter, second-degree murder, first-degree with mercy, and first-degree murder without mercy, at which time the court would sentence him to death. After five days of deliberations, lawyers on both sides were starting to think that they would get a chance at another trial. But December 21st, the jury reached a verdict. They found him not guilty of first-degree murder, but guilty of second-degree murder. Okay, so still murder, just not premeditated? Pretty much. I was actually gonna... Sorry. Let me, yeah, let me explain all the different degrees in a second. Judge Blithen sentenced Sam to life with his first eligibility for parole in 10 years. So the difference between the degrees of murder, specifically first and second, is if you fully intended to kill the other person. That is first degree murder. Mm-hmm. Second degree is you know your actions may result in the death of another. Um, so being reckless or... Yeah, okay. so first degree, if you're convicted, you can face either the death penalty or life in 
prison without parole, but the state must prove that you had malice and intent to kill the victim and you carried out a premeditated plan. Second degree is a crime without intent. A prosecutor need not prove that you had prior intent to kill. If you are charged with second degree murder, you were knowing of your actions may result in death of another. This usually occurs in committing a felony crime such as robbery or burglary. You still can face the prospect of spending the rest of your life in prison, though. Third degree is kind of a catch-all category, reckless and inattention, crime of passion, or vehicular homicide. I was going to say, I feel like third degree is usually manslaughter. So then it breaks down into different forms of manslaughter. Like there's voluntary and involuntary. Yeah, like if if you've gotten a fight and your intention was to harm the other person, that's voluntary. Yeah. You didn't mean to kill them. Yep. And then involuntary is if you were, like, driving your car and you just got in an accident. Yep. But, like, there was negligence on your part. Yeah. Okay. So, did that make sense to you, Lacey? Yeah. Thank you for the evening. I do always. (laughs) So, James Neff, who wrote the book that is great and I read, which is... it Wrong sounded man. like you didn't read it. I did. Which, this book that I love. It, it was uh, great, I and I definitely books. read it. It was great, and I read. I did read it. I definitely read it, you I guys. I read it, guys. I read it all. It was great. Anyway. And I read it. So the book was called The Wrong Man. He actually took the time to track down the five surviving jurors. I thought you were going to say the right man, and I was like, um... <laughs> Surprise! Uh, it was solved! <laughs> and were, wrote in detail about their thoughts and why they voted the way they did. I'm not going to go through each one of them, just because... Read the book! Yeah, read the book. She definitely read it, so <sighs> you should too. But it was very clear that they are all voting from previous information, from the media. They were why the defense wanted to move it yeah. out of Cleveland. Jurors were uh weren't sequestered and they were allowed to make That's phone calls the during their sequestered. Sequestered? Yeah, you said sequestered. Oh. Jurors weren't sequestered. Yeah. Um, and they were allowed to make phone calls during their deliberations. What? Sure. Well, yeah. I'm fucking up. Yeah. What's the media saying? We mock Ohio. What should I do? Yeah. Did you? Did you? Do you think that he was guilty? Is there, is there anything new in the paper today, guys? If If what I vote that he's guilty, will you marry me? What do the headlines tell us to do? Essentially. What's for dinner tonight? However, I want to point out <laughs> that many people all over the rest of the country were actually shocked by the verdict. They I had, certainly was. They had read neutral coverage from New York Daily News and believed the case against Shepard had not been proven. And it seems like everything in the Cleveland area was very biased towards Shepard. Yeah. Sounds like it was all very circumstantial, but, like, the media had already swayed the jury. Because, yeah. like, the whole... You have to prove beyond reasonable doubt. That's the whole thing. I, I mean, I, have, I haven't even decided yet because I have so much doubt. Yeah. They never found... Well, one thing that I'm hung up on, and I think that some of the stuff he did was, and said was weird, but they never found or identified the murder weapon and also his shirt. And it doesn't seem to me that he would have enough time to have gone rid of his shirt in such a way, like in such an effective way that they never found it. Like he couldn't have gone far from home. 
I don't know. I think there was, I think there was reasonable doubt. Why was there only, like, one blood stain on his pants? Right, even if if we said he got rid of the shirt to get rid of all the blood on him, his pants would have been covered in blood. I mean, his face, his hair... There's reasonable doubt. I'm disappointed in the justice system. Do we know what he knelt in? It was definitely blood, right? Well, no, no, no. I know that he knelt in blood, but, like, where did he get the blood? Um, I don't know specifically, but it he, was he would determined have, that it was Marilyn's blood. Yeah, so he had to have been close to the body, which is where I'm like... Yeah, I, have, I have questions for so Dr. Sam. He did he did admit that when he woke up from consciousness that he did check for her pulse. Oh, I don't know if it was he kneeled on the bed that was soaked with blood and was like yeah, saying goodbye or something. Blood. I don't know. I mean, whenever I have to check a pulse, I always climb on top of the person. Right on top. Just to keep them still. Just one knee. Well, I like to straddle them. Well, he only had one knee before. And then I put, I check both carotids at the same time. Do them both at the same time. Doesn't that cut off blood flow? Yeah. (laughs) I didn't know that. Yeah, you're not yeah. supposed to check the so, fur. I immediately was going to reach for my own neck, and I'm oh, not. I mean, you're not going to pass out instantly, but like, like you're not. Uh, it's it's why it's why a chokehold knocks people out because yeah. they're p- applying pressure to both pulses and a lot. Of the it's pulses. cutting off the blood supply to the brain, causing the brain to go unconscious. That's why in EMS they tell you don't check the pulse at the same time. Choose one or the other. That's a good thing for you to learn. Yeah, so everybody knocking out your patients if they're not already dead. No, so everybody knew that. No, I, I, I said, know. hey, everybody. Oh, like don't check pulses at the same time. I hope you all learned something too. Don't put tourniquets so on necks. So even though that was the end of the trial, this is not the end of the story. Shepard spent seven years in a maximum security prison near Columbus, during which time his defense went to work reinvestigating. Kurrigan got Paul Leland Kirk to re-examine the crime scene. Kirk, he was like a forensic scientist too. He collected carpet fibers, took photos, measured the scene, and studied blood patterns. He noted two broad overlapping patterns on the bedroom walls. First, the smallest drops of blood radiate out from a hub in straight lines like spokes of a wheel. One blood drop had skimmed across the top of a radiator cover, like a stone skipping across the surface of a pond. He was certain that her head was stationary when the beating started and stopped for the for this tra- trajectory. She was either knocked out or stunned by an early blow, or the killer perhaps held her by the hair so he could be certain he's striking her he- her face. He also determined that the killer. Had to be left-handed. That's a fun fact. What was Dr. Sam? He was a righty. Interesting. And that was proven because he was a doctor and performed surgery. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that is exonerating. You'd think. That's important. I'd be like, if the, if the murderer had to be left-handed and Dr. Sam is right-handed, then he, A, does not equal B in that scenario. So... A should not be in prison. He also, Kirk was also able to determine where the killer actually stood in the room from the blood spatter because it 
would leave a negative impression on the wall from where he was standing. If you're going to say stuff like that, please speak up. It's so cool people can analyze that stuff. (laughs) Thank you. The strange thing that he found was there was a very large blood spot on the closet door. He had never seen a volume of blood this large travel through air in a compact mass. He tested the blood, and it didn't come from either Maryland or Sam. Oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. He then performed an experiment with Richard, Sam's brother. Um, Richard wore a white shirt, dark pants, and stood at the foot of Maryland's bed, at which point Kirk pretended to kind of be Sam in this reenactment. So all the lights were off upstairs, except a 50-watt lamp in the dressing room off the master bedroom, serving as a nightlight, which they had kept on if Sam had to leave in the middle of the night for an emergency call. So Kirk ran upstairs, and all he could make out from where like Richard was standing was a white form. So this is kind of like seeing if Sam was actually some... like seeing something or someone. Yeah. Kirk looking over Marilyn's broken teeth and the lack of uh, mouth and lip injury, theorized that the killer covered Marilyn's mouth with his hand. And just during... broke the teeth through pressure? No, an attempt of, like, rape in the beginning, but then she bit him. Oh. And he either, um, like, ripped his finger back too hard or something and broke her teeth. Oh. She should have blood in her mouth. She had blood in her windpipe. Can we check it? Not now. No. Why not? (laughs) That would be the killer. Or the rapist, at least. Kirk theorized that the murder weapon was brought to the scene and not a weapon of opportunity. As nothing was missing from the bedroom, um, he determined that he thought that it had been a heavy three-cell flashlight based on the curve marks of her wounds. He knew that the weapon needed to be cylindrical. Cylindrical. Okay. That would be helpful in a dark house. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, with all these new findings, they attempted to petition for a new trial, and that was denied in May 1955. It's important to note that there was a three-cell flashlight recovered out of Lake Erie. The flashlight was dented and battered at one end. It made its way through um, like a cop and whatnot and ended up to Dr. Gerber mm, and was labeled for further examination, but it would just sit in evidence. Yes. I feel like that's the murder weapon. Mm. Also, Dr. Gerber needs to yeah, knock it off. Yeah. There's like taking revenge, but then there's all... He didn't do... Shepard didn't do anything to him. Yeah. He's being a real dick about it for no reason. Yeah, I think a lot of it is, like, we were saying before, I think it was the last episode, that it seems like he thinks he's more important than he is. Yeah. And he got to the scene, and he was like, I see what happened here. And he's going to do what he can do to prove that his first impression was correct, and that he has solved the case. And And, I think he's a real asshole. And I think now, at this point, it comes with, like, ego. Yeah. Like, we're going back down now and be like, oh, I messed up. Like, I was so certain. Yeah. While Sam was in prison, unfortunately, both of his parents died. His mother committed suicide from stress of the trial. And while her husband, Richard, was very ill and dying, Richard followed her a few weeks later and died of stomach cancer. 
1961, Corrigan, yeah, yeah, Sam's lawyer (laughs) had passed. And then F. Lee Bailey decided to take interest in Sam's case and decided to take it over pro bono. Bailey, if you uh, don't know that name, would go on to represent the Boston Strangler, O.J. Simpson, and Patty Hearst. But at this time, he was a brand spanking new lawyer with only a year and a few days of experience when he first spoke with Shepard. He went to work filing a petition for habeas corpus in federal court, which contended the prejudicial publicity before and during the 1954 trial, which vi- stating that it violated Shepard's right to due process. In July 1964, federal district court judge Carl Weinman overturned Sam's conviction. In his opinion, the trial was a mockery of justice. He stated five reasons why Shepard was denied a fair trial. Fair trial. First, failure to grant a change of venue or a continuance in the view of the newspaper publicity during the trial. Inability to maintain impartial jurors because of the publicity during the trial. Failure of the trial judge to disqualify himself, although there was uncertainty as to his impartiality. Improper introduction of a lie detector testimony, which, side note, I didn't mention this. A detective in the first trial had mentioned that Sam denied a polygraph test, Mm -hmm. which you can't mention to a jury because it's your right to deny a polygraph test. You don't have to take it. Yeah. Um, And then finally, an unauthorized communication to the jury during the deliberations. At this point, Shepard was released on bond. Yay! And Weinman gave the state 60 days in which to hold a new trial or to drop the case. Who? Where did his son go when he went to jail? He went with, um, his, I believe his uncle. Okay. Like either Richard or Steve. Okay. But the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals voted two to one in reinstating his conviction, but allowed him to remain free on bail pending the appeal to the Supreme Court. Jesus. Yeah. So, in February 1966, Bailey and Ohio attorney Bill Saxby faced off in front of the Supreme Court. In an 8-1 to one vote, they reversed Shepard's conviction on the grounds that the publicity surrounding the uh, trial prejudiced Shepard's right to, to a fair trial by an impartial jury. This decision help define what precautions from adverse media coverage were necessary under the 14th Amendment under the 14th Amendment to the Constitution. Thank you. This did, however, give Ohio another chance to try Sam, which they did. I mean, I feel like this time will be different. It was. Oh, good. I was a little bit. So his new trial started on October 24th in 1966. Judge Francis Talty presided. He's a tall cup of tea. He immediately ordered all photographers and cameramen to stay outside the building and barred reporters from obtaining any information about the trial other than what happened in court. That's a positive first step. He was determined to make the decorum 
make sure that the decorum prevailed and nothing would be tolerated that might recreate what the Supreme Court called carnival atmosphere of the first I trial. I hope that first judge was so shamed. Yeah. Like, I don't think he felt shame. I think he was done past that, but I hope he was embarrassed. That's I what think I hope. he was probably dead at this point. I hope <sighs> that um, they there. treated him like how they treated Cersei in Game of Thrones when he would leave the courtroom. Shame! We should we should just do that to people. I mean, not everybody. Just yell shame at people? Like, relax, everyone, before you start going out there shaming people. Well, like, some people. I feel like that's like what cancel culture is. Probably. People publicly shaming people. Yeah, but I think it's more satisfying to just all yell line shame. up and yell shame. We'll try it on someone. We'll let you know how it goes. Okay. So, during his second trial, Bailey, who is his defense, really wanted to point to someone else as the murderer, stating that it was easier to win an acquittal if the jury could at least consider someone other than the defendant as possible suspect. Bailey theorized that it was someone familiar with the shepherd's nightly routine and might assumed that might assume that Sam was away, especially with the fact that one of the family's cars was missing in the driveway, being borrowed by Sam's friend Hooverstein. Hey, I have a theory. Hold on a second. He thought that the light upstairs would be a message to whoever was having an affair with Marilyn to come over. Hmm. What's your theory? Gruber. Gerber? Gerber. Gerber. Did Gerber it. the goober? Mm-hmm. Gerber the goober. Why? He hated them. Okay. And then he did everything in his power to make it seem like he was, Shepard was guilty. So he did it specifically to, um, to frame yep. Dr. Sam. Okay. All right. The prosecution took some differences as their approach uh, from the first one. First off, Prosecutor Spelsey abandoned the surgical instrument as the murder weapon and just, like, dropped it. What? Um, however... there is an impression on the pillow. Yeah. However, when Gerber took the stand, Bailey was able, during a cross-examine, to get Gerber to concede that he could not find one surgical instrument that might match the bloody impression. Oh, she pillow. got him to say that on the stand? Yeah. Nice. Gerber had even testified saying that he looked all over the United States for one. Bailey responded, please tell us what you found. And Gerber said, I didn't find one. <laughs> Interesting. Spelsey also chose not to dig into Sam's sex life. Mm-hmm. Susan Hayes was not asked to return for the trial, but still they, they still read parts of uh, Sam's statements denying that he ever had relations with other women to the jurors trying to still make it seem like Sam was unfaithful. He should have just told the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So, so how bad? bad. Mm-hmm. Another difference was Sam did not take the stand in this trial. Good Thank call, Sam. God. Because you were a little bit glib last time and nobody liked it. <laughs> I'm going to start working that word. Love it. Thank word you. of the day. Glib. Mary Cohen, who, if you remember, was a forensic expert. No, she was... Uh, yeah, she was a forensic tech. Oh, okay. She had brought up, or it was brought up that uh, she found blood spots on Shepard's watch that was retrieved in the cloth bag by the bush outside. Um, she claimed that the spot showed that it was blood spatter from... Killing. Yeah. Bludgeoning. Yep. 
However, the defense countered this argument when Kirk took the stand. He examined the photos of the watch, and he believed it looked like transfer, uh, contact transfer, like Sam had, like, brushed against Maryland, and it wasn't from, like, splatter. Yeah. I think um, that if it was the case that he had blood splatter on him, and that's why he, like, got rid of the shirt and stuff, it would have been really stupid for him to not get rid of the watch where he got rid of the shirt, and just make sure they both were found instead of... I mean, my theory, I find it hard to believe that he would have tossed the murder weapon into Lake Erie, but then left the watch and the shirt just just randomly. Just throw it all in Lake Erie if you're going to throw stuff. I don't think you would put three different things in three different places, especially when one of the places was so good it was never found. You just put everything there. I still don't know if, if he's innocent or not, but. I'm leaning more towards innocent. Yeah. I know that he is. I'm just like, he's innocent until proven guilty. He hasn't Mm -hmm. been proven guilty, so. Yeah, I I still have reasonable doubt. Mm -hmm. Carry on. Through the trial, Bailey focused heavily on blood evidence, determining not to make the previous defense attorney's mistakes. He had Kirk testify that the blood pattern around Marilyn's head suggested the killer was left-handed. And Sam, again, was right-handed. Mm-hmm. Um, he even called Spencer, what did we say his name was? Hook? Honk? Honk? Sure. Um, the mayor. He's the geese. To the stand and had him admit that he had visited Maryland two to three times a week while Sam was working. Why? They were friends. Paul. Oh, I don't um, have any friends that I That's why she kept forgiving <laughs> Sam for the affairs, because she was having them too. We can't prove that. No, but I don't um, know what But that was what Bailey was trying to insinuate. Yeah. Next, he called Esther, Spencer's wife. She admitted that her husband had suffered a nervous breakdown and was actually hospitalized for two to three weeks after the murder. She admitted that they had also started a fire in their living room in the early morning, the morning of the murder. At which point, Bailey pointed out that it's July, and the weather was in the high 60s. Oh, so like in a fireplace. Yeah. Not just, Not just in the no, middle of the so living room. No, so maybe a fire that you might want to throw something into. Bailey theorized that this pointed to them starting the fire as to get rid of evidence. I mean, I was going to say mental breakdown because he, his lady was... You know, oh, yeah, you that's know also what? I was, I've been hung up on why anybody would take Sam's shirt. But they could have gotten their own blood on his shirt. Like, we know that there was some blood on the wall or whatever that didn't match him or her. Yeah, their finger was probably bleeding. Right. They could have gotten, right, blood on his shirt. And they were like, well, can't leave this behind. Yeah, but then they left all their blood on the wall. Yeah, but maybe they didn't realize that was there. It was dark. They had a flashlight. And it was... It was most likely like mixed with Marilyn's blood. That's just... Right, that's true. There would have been blood everywhere. But if they were actively bleeding... And they hit him or attacked him or whatever. I think it'd be reasonable for them to be like, my blood. Maybe the medical bag was dumbed out because he was looking for a fucking band aid. Hey, for his goddamn finger. Yeah, because Marilyn just had to put up a fight. I couldn't figure out. Couldn't let be murdered in peace. Oh, poor whoever's got a. Have we checked for finger? What? Can we check for fingers? Check for fingers! <laughs> it's just more. Look at the mayor's finger. Oh. 
Well, that's or just theory, theory. Right? Yeah. That somebody's Well, theory, this is this is years later. Later though, this is like ten years from the first trial. And he was hospitalized shortly after the murder, mm-hmm. so maybe it was boo booed up, but nobody noticed because he was out of sight, out of mind in the hospital, having a breakdown because his lover was murdered. Oh, I'm thinking that if he broke her teeth because she bit him, I think that there would be a scar. Yeah. I mean, I have a scar on my hand from when the dog leash ripped it open. Anyway. (laughs) Back to it. Bailey believed it was critical to present present the jury with at least a plausible alternative killer. He suggested Esther had the motive from being angry toward Marilyn for having an affair with her husband. Check her hands. He theorized that, like, the light on in the hallway that was left on for Sam was a message to Spencer since they lived only two doors down. And And Esther found out that that meant come over for a booty call. Yeah. And she was like, I'm gonna come over for a booty call. But then the rape doesn't make sense. No. But, you know, this is also just further proving reasonable doubt. Like, yeah. Like, kind of mm-hmm. point it's, this towards other people. Find sperm. I, I think that it's a, um, they found the what the white substance. Yeah. I think that this is a better plan from the defense team. Instead of trying to prove Sam's innocence Proving wholly, yeah. prove that there are other yeah. options. Yep. yep. Um, That's a good way to stir up reasonable doubt. Yes. During closing arguments, Bailey told the jurors that the real killer was not in the courtroom. Quote, someone was angry, angry enough to kill. Someone who didn't have the strength in her arm that Sam Shepard had. For indeed, he would have crushed her skull like an eggshell. That's a vivid picture. That's but right. You to be true. Blows, like the yes. strength of the blows. And I wondered at the time why you were being so detailed in the description of that. And then I forgot about it. Yeah. And here we are. Yeah. We're back at it. Well, so- yeah, thank you. <laughs> November 16th, 1966, Shepard was found not guilty and was a free man. What year? I'm sorry, 66? Yeah. Okay. Upon hearing this, Sam slammed his hand on the table and shouted, it's about time. Oh, I thought he was going to say, hot dog. No. He later revealed he was was carrying a gun, and if convicted again, he would have wielded the gun and forced the deputies to kill him. He wasn't going to go back to prison. Um, Oh, okay. Yeah. I was trying to figure out why he had a gun in the courthouse, but I don't, he was in how he got a gun in the 60s. Yeah. What? I said, I'm interested in how he got a gun in the courthouse. In the 60s, although. Yeah. It was uh, said years later, the prosecutor, Spelsi, and the attorney general, General Saxaby and Gerber, all believed that the jurors voted to acquit him because they felt Shepard had served 10 years and had been punished enough. But when tracked down, the jurors were just not persuaded by the state's case and believed the police investigation was flawed, which, yeah. 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 Which it was. So So after all this, Sam attempted to return to his surgical practice, but with weak skills from not practicing and now a serious drinking problem, he botched two operations, killing both patients. Oh, my God. And left medicine. That's... That was a bigger response... Then you responded to Marilyn just, being murdered. Oh I knew God. she was going to get murdered. I didn't know he was going to accidentally kill two people after he got off. I just wasn't expecting that. 
Swap I team. thought you were going to be like, from lack of skills, he was not allowed to return to work. And instead it was, for lack of skills, he killed people. So I'm, I'm okay. I'm dealt with it now. Okay. <laughs> you can continue. Um, in 1969, he debuted as a professional wrestler. <laughs> using, <laughs> here's the kicker. Using the name Killer Shepherd. Okay, Sam, I was leaning heavily on your side. It was a bold choice. I, I don't necessarily think that means anything about guilt. I think yeah. It's just a I think, shitty, though. I think he's leaning into it. Yeah. But also keep in mind, he is quite glib. 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 We confirmed this. <laughs> <laughs> That's so annoying. Yeah. I'm he's a douche. We, he's, I don't think he's, I don't think he murdered his wife, but I do think he is a douche. Yeah. <laughs> what? I'm so irritated. It's okay. The next year, on April 6th, at 46 years old, Sam Shepard collapsed in his kitchen, vomited blood, and was unable, they were unable, uh, paramedics were unable to revive him, and he had, it was later determined that he died of liver disease. Oh, And I believe, we, I also read that he was, like, on a lot of, like, he started taking, like, pills, too, yeah. like, in prison. But going back to the uh, vaginal slides that were taken in 1996, Dr. Mohammed Tahir, you were born. I know, started looking through the DNA. Mm-hmm. He wondered how the original pathologist could have seen much of anything on the slides. The stain turned the slides into very thick and opaque, which if anyone's ever looked under a microscope, it is impossible to see anything when it's opaque. So he put too much stain, stain on, on it. it. Yeah. Ruining so it. So it would have been very hard to pick out any sperm cells. Oh. Did you take a lot of, like, science classes? It's cool. I took a regular number. of just... <laughs> So... I didn't pick out the extras. No, I was just thinking that, like... Because I was like, Bailey definitely has looked through a microscope and yeah. it's like, and then I was like, Lacey probably has it. No, I know it might, I took AP Bio uh-huh. and I know that we did for that, but I, I look through one, one almost every day. Oh, like yeah, I see. looked through one last so night. I, ha- I haven't since high school. Interesting. Yeah. Like we look through like. Uh, I wish I looked through microscopes. We look through like yeah. uh, skin cytologies, ear cytologies, blood smears for like platelet counts and stuff. Like it's, it's common in veterinary medicine. Yeah. It's not in. English teacher world. <laughs> what? Yeah. What? I know everybody's surprised. You don't have a microscope on your desk? You should start. Wow. Imagine what kids would say. So anyway. The back fuck to, is that? Back to these slides. Dr. Tahir actually was able to look through them, and I think he was able to, like, water down the stain, and he actually found two sperm heads. Okay. Oh, that's where the DNA is. Time. Yeah. He also found... I was just kidding. I'm going to correct myself from earlier. He found that the blood on Sam's pants did not contain DNA from Sam or Marilyn. It was theorized that it was left when the killer ripped a ring of keys from Shepard's belt. And that's when he stole the keys, the watch, and hid it in the bag and threw it away. So then how did it get on his knee? It's from the killer. It's the killer's blood? Yeah. yeah it wasn't Sam. But how did it get it on the bl- how did it get on his knee like that concentrated? Maybe when he was cuz it's theorized that the killer cut his hand. Uh-huh. So maybe he was leaning down on Sam's knee, bleeding, while he was getting oh. the keys and the watch and everything off of Sam. 
Okay. And he didn't see that. No, he saw the bloody on the shirt, so he took the shirt. I thought they found the shirt and it wasn't bloody, it was orange stained. Well, well, they never one shirt. They couldn't tell if it was Sam's. Okay, I was going to say they were undetermined. Yeah. But it matched sample shirts yeah. from Sam's closet. Yeah. Fun little thing. Did so, they find anything from the sperm heads? They, um, I believe they found it was like, they went into like different DNA samples and I couldn't really follow it. Okay. But achondria would have been more helpful. No, it was like different types of like DNA, but it wasn't. I think one could have been Sam's, but one wasn't. It was the book was confusing. Read the book <laughs> that Bailey definitely read. <laughs> I like. I tried to read that paragraph like so many times, and I couldn't like exactly follow it. I hate genetics. Oh, yeah. Um, I like genetics. I'm neutral. <laughs> <laughs> author james neff of the books but that you definitely read actually spoke with john e douglas who was a retired fbi supervisor and an expert in criminal profiling let's not say his name sounds familiar he interviewed many imprisoned killers manson berkowitz for oh he interviewed example berkey poo yeah Burks. um he helped fine tune the exact in the exact in exact methods of criminal profiling and crime scene analysis. Um, Douglas explained that there are general generally accepted rules about spousal killings. First, they had to be a reason for someone like Dr. Sam to explode into a rage. He found out that his wife was fucking the mayor, and he said, "Only one of us gets to have affairs in this house." Next, there was always some predictive behavior. Nearly all men who killed their wives have assaulted them at least once in the year before the murder. He assaulted her with negligence. Um, Douglas also explained that the way Maryland was left, nearly nude, exposing her breasts and crotch, a husband would not expose his wife's nipples and pubic hair for strangers to see. They might stage a wife's body to suggest a sex killing and cover up a domestic domestic killing by like unbuttoning or draping like them in like nightclothes to look suggestive, but yeah. they would never fully expose fully expose like their wives. Mm-hmm. Something to take account. Now we're going to go through some possible other su- suspects. Okay. So the first one is a man named Donald Wedler. In July 1957, he was a Florida convict and confessed confessed to killing Maryland. He spun a detailed and hazy story of a drug-fueled burglary, I can never say that word, that turned into murder. He was described as a 23-year-old drifter and petty criminal who happened to be in downtown Cleveland the night of July 3rd, 1954. After shooting heroin, he hitched a ride to the suburbs and went looking for a house to rob. You know, casual stuff. Yeah. As one does. Yeah. He entered the the house on the lake, uh, one that fit the description that matched the Shepherd home. He said he passed a man sleeping on the couch and entered a bedroom with a sleeping woman. When she woke up, he struck her several times with a nine-inch pipe. Hearing a man coming up the stairs, he struck him with the pipe and knocked him out. Witnesses placed him in Cleveland that night. Wedler fit the description of a tall, bushy-haired man. 
Yet he claimed he only struck the woman a few times and didn't mention pulling her clothes down, stealing jewelry, smashing trophies, or fighting Sam on the beach. He volunteered to take a polygraph in Florida, but Gerber was convinced his confession was false and rejected it. I love Gerber. Yeah. He's doing great things. Great. We also, there's also a brief, like, looking at uh, Dr. Hooverstein, the one that was staying in the house as a possible. He's a doctor? Yeah. Oh. Probably lived in this town. Can you imagine if you were in an exam room and that guy walked in and immediately hit on you? Okay, I was waiting for, <laughs> for what Well, the... no, just, like, remember what his face looked like? Oh, yeah. Um, however, he had a solid alibi. He was with several friends in Kent, Ohio, the night of the murder, which was 50 miles away. Next was Spencer and his lovely wife, which I briefly went over. But just to go through some more, like, reasons this could have happened. Again, the blows to Marilyn's skull was, uh, like, not deep. high impact or yeah. deep. Which could indicate the strength of, like, a female killer. That's sexist. You know... In the 50s. Women are strong, too. I was think. I just remembered that when I was listening to cover this, this is the scenario that I thought was best. That, like, Esther did it and then confided in her husband and he helped her cover it up. Well, so the theory what the theory that like is found is that Spencer went over that night. Esther went to confront them, mm-hmm. got in a bit of rage, and then killed Meryl 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 Marilyn. Marilyn in front of Spencer, and then Spencer assisted her in covering it up. Can you imagine your husband's sneaking away two doors down? So you just like creep into their house with a flashlight to catch them in the act with a flashlight. Like, I got gotcha. <laughs> I find it a little bit hard. Like, I, I kind of like that, except I find it a little bit hard to hard God. Difficult hard to believe. Hard to believe that with her confronting him, there wouldn't have been even more noise that would have potentially woken up Dr. Sam and Chip. I keep remembering Chip's next door. We already thought it was a little weird that he didn't wake up when she would have been, like, screaming. Yeah. I think if his wife snuck in, there would have been some yelling, at least for a minute, before she decided to murder Marilyn. And, uh... Wasn't Sam drinking that night? I mean, he had... Yeah, pre-dinner cocktails. Maybe he was a little... Maybe a little bit more... Sauced. And was more likely to sleep through things. I think he probably was... I mean, he fell asleep on a daybed while he had guests. Anyone, anyone that's ever worked in, like, medical profession stuff, you're exhausted. Like, you can just, like, pass out anywhere. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of, like, in a dead sleep. So I think it was truly he was exhausted and just... Plus the alcohol didn't help. That too. But going back to Spencer and Esther, it was noted that the footprints in the sand on the beach indicated someone who walked more heavy on the right side. And Spencer did have a limp from a childhood knee injury. It was also noted that after, uh, in mid-July, he resembled an advertisement for stress. He smoked constantly, slept shitty, and lost significant weight. Yeah. And they actually got divorced, too, by the time of the second trial. 
Hmm. I don't know. I prefer the one where Esther saw the light come on. But I mean, would it? it I can, I find it hard to believe that Marilyn would have invited him up, knowing Spence or knowing Husband Sam was, was downstairs. Yeah, that's very bold. Yeah. Um. So maybe she kind of left the light on as like, if he does come to bed, he'll find his way. And Esther thought it was a sign. Yeah, that Sam, but that's so, maybe because she saw the car was gone, she was like, Sam is left. She's <laughs> calling over my husband. I'm going to go and bash her head in. Don't worry, we have one more suspect. Oh, oh good. So, another suspect would be named Richard Irving. He was a thorny, dysfunctional creature I love this. under the radar. Mm-hmm. You he say was... sulking or skulking? Skulking. Okay. He was a tall, balding man. So not bushy. Known to wear bushy wigs. Never mind. Which (laughs) tagged with Sam's description of his assailant um, and matched a stranger seen near the Shepherd house that night. He suffered male pattern baldness and was known to wear multiple hair pieces. Irving was never interviewed during the original investigation, but was actually called as a witness in the second trial. Because he worked in the Shepherd House. Oh. He would replace the windows and, like, do, like, handyman projects mm-hmm. through the house. Um, and his connection to the murder didn't service until 1959, when he was arrested for selling for stealing from his other clients. So, when we said before that they had, like, tunnel vision when it came to Sam, that's... They seriously did. They did. Because, like, a handyman who worked in the house who had big bushy hair should have immediately leapt onto he their He didn't radar. have bushy hair. He had a wig. But he was known for wearing bushy wigs. Yeah. Okay. So And he skulked. Yes, like a creature. So when he was arrested for the stealing, they searched his house. They found a stash of plundering items, including Marilyn's two rings, which went missing from... Sam's brother's house, where Irving also worked sometime after the trial. Um, during questioning, he dropped bombshell, volunteering that he had dripped blood in the shepherd home two days before the murder. However, he changed the story about where he cut his hand and where the blood was in the house many times. I, I caught that, too. Huh? His hand cuts skin. Yeah. Yeah. That would explain why there's a scar on his hand. Mm-hmm. Definitely not from Marilyn biting his, him. His story was that he was in the kitchen, or one of his stories was that he was in the kitchen and was changing out one of the, like, the screens and got like poked mm-hmm. and then was bleeding and then it was like dripping. Yeah. yeah. It was a whole bloodbath of a bit. Yeah. He did agree for a polygraph, but passed it. However, decades later, other analysis deemed that the results were inconclusive and showed deception in some areas. I changed my answer. when denying the murder of Marilyn Shepard. There's more. Hold on. Okay, good. Many, they went on to further explain why they found this. Um, many of the questions were ambiguous. The examiner, the examiner also asked too many questions with the blood pressure cuff inflated to 87 millimeters, which 
I don't know exactly what that means. Apparently but, I'm not supposed to do that. Um, and several times, Irving was allowed to answer just after taking a deep breath, which is a no-no. Um, I think that the blood pressure cuff, I don't know what it's supposed to be at, but 87? Yeah. That would probably make the blood pressure go higher because 87 is pretty significant yeah um i mean it's not like the tightest it's it's not the tightest but it's like tighter than what like your diastolic is meant to be Mm -hmm. so it would cause i would think your blood pressure to go up and keeping it there would i imagine indicate deception for a bunch or at le- like at least alter the results because then you wouldn't see the blood pressure go up and down. I don't really know how polygraph tests are meant to work because in my experience, blood pressure isn't a continuous thing. You have to take the blood pressure and then that's the blood pressure for that time. Yeah. And then you have to check it again X amount of time later. Yeah. So like when you ask the question... Do you then hit the blood pressure button and wait until it's taking the blood pressure? Like, I don't understand. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't how know. that's... I An ECG and, like, it. you're... Obviously, like, your breathing is, like, watched or it's supposed to be watched because, like, you can change... Your breathing rate can, like, calm your nerves and your heart rate and your blood pressure. I know that it checks your, your respirations yeah. and your pulse as well. But... I don't, don't I've never understood how the blood pressure thing is meant to work. Yeah. So to give you a background. Polygraph experts, please write in. Tell us about the pathology behind polygraphs. Richard was born on December 8th, 1929 to his mother, Louise, who is a 20 year old immigrant after she had a relationship with a 29 year old policeman named George Anderson. George would abandon them and let leave the city where he was born, which was, I believe, Chicago. So George was like, I am super like, I not dealing with this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to leave my hometown, too. And then his mom He's would let him officer. go into the foster system, oh. which did not treat him. What? The foster system? We will get through that a little bit in some time, but Irving was, Oh, I thought we were almost done. We are almost done. Oh. Um, Irving has also been connected to a few other um, strange deaths and murders. Ooh. So starting with 1956, Barbara, Barbara Ann Kinzel was I killed. I prefer Barbara Ann. Barbara Ann. She was killed in one, in a car accident in which Irving was the driver. It's injured. She was actually a nurse at Bayview Hospital Ooh, when connection. injured Sam Shepard was brought in the morning his wife was murdered. She was, like, found, like, oh. she, like, had, like, a battered skull or something, and I believe the case was, So like, he's, like, trying to kill off witnesses. Possibly? But what would the witness... But what would the... What would she have Maybe more share? Than that Sam shared in the morning? That Sam... Oh, because he saw... Okay. Mm-hmm. So, but then Sam would forget it. Maybe concussion. Maybe, maybe this guy's logic was just not sound. Yeah, yeah. Then walks in Ethel Durkin. So Irving became friends with her. She was a wealthy, childless widow, and he was hired to do some decorating. In 1962, 
Myrtle Irene Fay was beaten to death on her bed in her Cleveland apartment. Who's Ethel? She is Myrtle. She was. Ethel is Myrtle's sister. Myrtle wasn't a fan of Irving and how he was taking care of her sister. Um, Myrtle's uh, crime scene was kind of very similar to Marilyn's. Marilyn, sorry. She was savagely beaten about her head and strangled in her apartment while she was just relaxing in bed. She was killed just days after she warned Ethel that he was stealing money from her, yet the crime remains unsolved, and it was very clear that she did not like him. Years after the murder, while being questioned, he made statements that corroborated previously unpublished information, stating that he wouldn't be surprised if the murderer had washed up in a sink and wore one of her dresses to use as an escape. Oh, there was evidence that the murderer had washed up. I feel like that's like OJ writing, if I did it, I wouldn't be surprised, but this is exactly what the killer did. Did you did you hear like what happened with that book? I thought it just kinda kinda got pulled before. Well yeah, they well they pulled it, but then the family of victim? Yeah, published it. But the way they changed the cover art. So um they made the if super small. <laughs> so that it was more of a I, I did it. it. Yeah, okay. And I'm here for it. Yeah. I just thought I it was did it. Confessions of Killer. Snarky. So back to our regular schedule. Comparing Marilyn and Myrtle's death. The victim suffered bruises of both eyes, an apparent fractured nose, and the face was covered with a pillow. Well, this is Myrtle's. The body was nude and partially covered with a bread bed sheet and torn nightgown. Things a breadstick. Both the murders occurred between 2 a.m. and 4.30 a.m. Victims were found semi-nude, pajamas and nightgown partially pulled from body. Victims beaten about the head and face. Blood spattered curtains and walls. No weapon was found. Evidence the murder cleaned up in the Frey bathroom. And then I couldn't really find this anywhere, but it's mentioned here that there was like, it looked like someone cleaned up in the shepherd basement sink. I don't know how that would really work in the crime, but both of the women were. Well, white. didn't they find blood droplets Going down leading down basement. to the basement? Yeah. Both the women were white women. They lived in the west side of Cleveland. There was no previ- there was no obvious signs of a break-in. They were beaten with blunt instruments. Wounds were similar. They both had black eyes, broken noses, stifled screams heard during the murders. Evidence that both victims disliked Richard Irving. <laughs> and Irving insists that the woman killed that a woman killed Marilyn Shepherd and that someone dressed in women's clothing killed Faye. He looks good for it. Then I still feel he looks good for it. <laughs> We're still going. Myrtle and Ethel's other sister, Sarah. Myrtle, Ethel, and Sarah. In a fall in Ethel's home in what was ruled an accident. Sarah distrusted Irving and tried to get Ethel to fire him. Irving stating that it was that the accident was from her age 
and later said that if he wanted to kill her, he would have pushed her down the basement steps. Robert adds a lot of concern at this point. Yeah, stop killing my sisters, bro. My sisters keep telling me this guy's dangerous, and then they die. Well, in well, maybe she was at that point like, maybe I shouldn't cross him. <laughs> That's fair. Well, in 1983, Ethel suffered a terrible fall in her home while Irving was with her. Did she fall down the basement stairs? No, she had oh. gotten up from her chair and fallen. And was shoved she to the ground. believed it was a heart attack, but x-rays would believe there was a broken bone in her neck. She died six weeks later, and her death was ruled an accident. Wow, he just tore up that family, didn't he? Yeah. In 1988, he was charged with forgery and aggravated grand theft, but it was discovered that Durkins, who was F. Bull's last name, mm-hmm. was leaving her estate to him, was a forgery. Soon, Durkin's body was exhumed, and the cause of death was changed to a homicide. Good. Uh, the first time around, they were like, oh, she just fell down while she was standing up and happened to break her neck. Don't you so, just hate when you hit your so head on a chair and your whole neck just, like, was, cracks? She was an elder anymore. Yeah, bones are brittle. Um, a health aide for Durkin when she was alive would say that uh, he told her that slitting a throat and watching someone die was exhilarating. And then he killed Marilyn Shepard and assaulted her husband in the head with a steel pail. Okay, two things. One, as far as we know, he hasn't slit anyone's throats. As far as we know. Right. And then the other thing is that that's, he didn't, he used a pail. Apparently. <clears throat> if the size of the wounds on Marilyn's head matched that of a flashlight, I doubt it would also match a pale. Well, maybe when he got at the altercation with <coughs> Dr. Sam outside, there was a pale on the beach laying outside in the yard that he grabbed and bashed him. Yeah. But I thought that outside he said that he was more of like a chokehold type situation. Oh, that's right. That's, that's what Sam said. Way back. Yeah. So, Irving was convicted of Ethel's murder and was Good. Good. Um, I feel like he's the type of person who would make jailhouse confessions. Yeah, he didn't. Apparently, he made pre-jailhouse confessions before his death in July 1988. 1998. Um, the offer Neff spoke with Irving. He spoke with him a few times and interviewed him. The last time he visited him, he was very ill, and his conversations seemed to go in and out. Suddenly, Irving took himself back to 1954. He described himself as snapping to alertness and finding himself in the shepherd's blood-splattered bedroom. He said, my God, I had never seen anything like it. Uh, And then he said, I gotta get out of here. Irving, realizing what he said, wouldn't talk about this anymore. And he soon died before another interview could have been taken. He died in... Convenient. uh, he died July 25th, 1998, of a heart attack. So Kill. the theory of him was that... Uh, he did it? <laughs> That's my theory. Well, that. one theory was that Marilyn caught him, like, while well, was stealing, clearing the windows. He was stealing, threatened to expose him, um, and to protect, like, his business and everything. He killed her. It was also said that he could have harbored a sexual attraction for her. I feel um, good about that. And felt angry and betrayed when she found when he found out she was pregnant. Mm. So with there's a theory, with the baby of his her husband. Yeah, That's how smart. dare she? Um, and there's a theory like 
built like from like evidence and like his psychology that he parked his car in a lakeside park a car similar to his blue station wagon was seen there that night two witnesses driving on lakeside road saw a tall bushy-haired man near the shepherd house as the window washer he was familiar with the unlocked house and the grounds the shepherd windows recognizes him mm-hmm. and does not oh, bark God. entering through the side door he does not see sam sleeping on the couch marilyn fights him as he pulls her down her pajamas and when she bites him he explodes and batters her relentlessly knocking and then knocks out sam mm-hmm. drips blood through the house while looking for valuables to steal and you had mentioned that maybe somebody cleaned up in the basement after he knocked him out the first time, he could have gone down to the basement, yeah. cleaned up, gone up, and left. And that's when Sam was coming down and said he saw somebody walking out the door. So that would even still a bit. Yeah. You don't like that? No, it's just, you made it sound like you had just come to a huge Well, I just, when you bad. said about him walking through the house, I remember that you had mentioned something. Like, maybe yeah, something there was like, up. it was possible. Irving was abandoned, left in a crib. This is back to his foster days. Oh, okay. Without, Not when he's in jail. Without maternal bonding, that is essential for <laughs> his normal dead body. neurologic development. He had seizures and would hold his breath until he passed out. I love that for him. As a child, he wet the bed, set fire fires, and fondled other children. And a foster fi- father may have also assaulted him. He displayed all the warning signs of someone who could turn into a killer. Yeah, I think and he, he did, did it. Uh, um, but I like that you finished that with, and he did. I mean, he killed Ethel. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's convicted sisters, of that. So, Well, we don't know for sure. We don't want to get sued by his ghost. No, we don't give a fuck. Just ghost. try it, Hurley's ghost. So, yeah. I don't need that. Do you remember when I told you what Rachel Hurley said before her murder? Yeah. The Ouija board said, you're next, or yeah. something like that. And she was like, do it, bitch. Yeah, yeah you said be sued by his ghost, not like attacked by his ghost. Yeah, but let's see. His record sh- seems to indicate that he handles his issues with I violence. I refuse to apologize to Irving. Okay. That concludes the case of Marilyn Shepard and the devastating life, I guess, of Sam Shepard. Yeah, I mean, considering that I completely changed my mind and now don't think he had anything to do with it. It really sucks that he went to jail for, what, 10 years or so? Yeah. And then became an alcoholic, drug addicted, no longer a doctor. Yeah. And then was a silly little wrestler. wrestler. Did you ever find any statements or anything from Sam Gerber about Irving? Um, I don't really care what Gerber has to I, say. I, I, I think, just like the idea of him knowing that he was wrong. I don't think Gerber was, like, really interested in that either. Yeah. I think he made his choice. Yeah. And it was said that, like, so Bailey was actually the one that called Irving to the stand in the second trial. And he did that based on the fact that at that time the polygraph was paused, like, he passed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and afterwards he was interviewed again after, like, it showed that, like, no, it was deception. And, like, he, like, did all this stuff to get by and everything and Bailey said that he never would have put him on the stand if he knew that and would have suspected him instead of like Spencer and Esther. Yeah. Interesting. Well, that was interesting. I learned a lot. Yeah. Yep. These last two days. And, and I'm ready to not ever think about that case again. 
That took up a you lot really of time. Immersed in there for a while. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was very hard to read all of the like Gerber parts and crests and not get frustrating. Yeah. yeah, I had to step away a lot. Research. She was definitely did read it. It was. It's the book that she definitely read. Taxing. I definitely read the book. Follow our Instagram at sinister underscore and underscore sarcastic for show updates. And we also post each episode with some photos. We are always looking for new, interesting show ideas. So if you have any folklore, true crime, or mysterious cases for us to cover, please feel free to DM DM us on Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. If you're enjoying the show and want to purchase some merch to show your support, you can find a link on our Instagram. Well, that was sinister. And we were sarcastic. And we hope you keep listening.